Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. Happy spring! Yes, this is the week of the spring equinox, new beginnings, and I am ready, full of energy to meet new challenges. At least, I thought I was until I was recently asked at a group luncheon for artists in a conversation about art sales if I had ever heard of NFTs. I looked at the person who asked me, stupefied. Clearly, I had not. He tried to explain using the surrealist painter Dolly's granddaughter as an example of someone who was using them, but either his explanation floundered or I just couldn't get it. It was with a somewhat weary resignation that I committed to doing some research into another technology that I hadn't yet mastered. Well, I hadn't heard about it, much less mastered, but you know my heart was not in it. Now, it's not that I'm a total Luddite, by the way, that's a technophobe reputedly named after a 19th century English weaver who was a member of a secret radical organization that destroyed textile machinery, fearing it threatened their jobs. But I digress. Um, All I could think of was something else I have to learn about. But... I soldiered on to learn about this latest edition. Of course, I'm, I'm sure I'm behind the times. It's probably not the latest. But this is the world of cryptocurrency. That is virtual currency. Now, this whole um, uh, podcast is not going to be about virtual currency. Don't worry. But I'm, I'm just using it as an example of how we at our ages have to adapt to change. Anyway... I don't see myself as using virtual currency. Oh, wait, didn't I say something similar about cyberspace and the information highway? Well, it all seems very complicated to me, but as best I can figure it out, there are basically two types of cryptocurrency. One is fungible, meaning you can exchange it for a good or service, like Bitcoin and It was for Bitcoin that the blockchain technology was invented. Uh Uh-huh. Look that one up yourself. (laughs) Okay. The other type of cryptocurrency, if it's not fungible, I mean, if it's fungible, is non-fungible. And that means its value is only inherent to the individual product. Essentially, anything that is unique, such as a furniture design, a painting, jewelry, artwork, a music piece, a video game, and so forth. Think of it as fake money to create real worth for non-real world items. Got it? (laughs) Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Token referring to the virtual image of the non-fungible that resides in cyberspace. Hang in there. The process for putting these tokens in cyberspace is called minting. And there are websites dedicated to this whole NFT process, including their minting, valuing, and trading. Of course, first though, you need to create a crypto wallet, meaning you turn your real money into cryptocurrency. 
MetaMask, M-E-T-A-M-A-S-K, is apparently a popular app for doing that. And then once you have your crypto wallet, you can buy, sell, and trade in an NFT marketplace, such as OpenSea, Rarible, R-A-R-I-B-L-E, or Binance, B-I-N-A-N-C-E. By the way, in case you were wondering, cryptocurrency can be converted into cash, but it has to be done through a broker. It can be time-consuming, and it will be taxed. This is not some small-time enterprise. This has become big business. In fact, a recent story on the Al Jazeera News website notes that, quote, crypto firms in the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, are being deluged with requests to liquidate billions of dollars of virtual currency as Russians seek a safe haven for their fortunes. Some clients are using cryptocurrency to invest in real estate in the UAE, while others want to use firms there to turn their virtual money into hard currency and stash it elsewhere. I doubt that they're looking to pay taxes on it. Okay, enough about that. If you're a technophobe resistant to technological changes and advancements, then perhaps this isn't for you. I have to confess, actually, that was my initial reaction, but once I started going down the uh, rabbit hole of research, I, I became intrigued. However, maybe instead of asserting, oh, it's too complicated, I don't need that, we should be asking ourselves, why am I resisting change? I'd like to introduce you now to Dr. Karen Brees. She spells her last name B-R-E-E-S. She uh, resides outside of Seattle in a rural area of Washington State. And she's the author and co-author of numerous publications, uh, including being the co-author of Getting Real About Getting Older and uh, Secrets of Longevity. Now, the quality on uh, Karen's audio is not very good, but I think she has some worthwhile things to say. So um, I'm going to play it anyway, and I hope you'll give it a listen. Karen uh, got her PhD in adult education, and uh, she found that there were um, some differences when she was teaching older adults. I could see a real difference in the way older people learn. We are definitely not less intelligent, but we take a little longer to process things. And I like to think it's because there's so much up there, we have to sift through it all to get things done. Reaction times are slower. That's just a matter of physiology. Um, We perhaps don't like or aren't comfortable with all of the background distractions. We need to focus. Our our whole learning style is different from the current younger generation and the one before them. We are linear thinkers. They are circular thinkers. The other thing that's interesting about it, besides the linear versus the circular thinking, is our anatomies are changing. The most developed digit of our generation is the index finger. For younger generations, it's thumbs. And there's a condition called leather finger. Older people frequently have difficulty using touch screens because their skins are drier and thicker in some cases, thinner in others. It makes using a touch screen 
sometimes almost impossible. Are you saying that older people have trouble adapting to new technologies? Three things can keep us from being current with the technology. One is uh, our financial situation. If we are well enough off, probably means we had a higher level of education, which means we have we come into this new world with more resources available to us. We know how to ask questions. We know if not who to ask, we know who to ask to find out who to ask. The second thing is health issues. If you have Parkinson's, if you have MS, if you have arthritis, if, if you have glaucoma, if you, it requires a certain amount of dexterity. In the olden days, if you had a book, you could take your time turning the page, but everything happens so quickly now that if, if you hesitate, you're way behind where you would be, where everybody else is, because you can't physically keep up. And the other thing I think is your network. Um, if you have family, if you have friends, if you go to a church um, and you have a social network, they can help you on your technology journey. But if you're isolated, either by geography or by physical conditions, it's a real problem. Technology is visual. So let me ask you a bit of a personal question. You and I are the same age. We're both 75. We're both 1968 college graduates. We actually both got our higher education degrees later in life. You, your um, doctorate and me, my master's at, at 58. Uh, are the older people you're describing, do they include you and me? Sure, they include all of us. It's a matter of, I think, personality style as opposed to age. I know young people who are old. You have to keep, I don't know, a sense of wonder about the world and you keep wanting to learn new things. And you have to be able to let go of the things you can't do anymore and find something new you can do. We're only here for a short time and there's so much to learn. Um, and just because you can't do something, then you can't do something else. In an interview with Reuters News Agency in 2017, Sylvia Perel-Levin, representing the International Network for the Prevention of Elder Abuse at the UN, and she's also chair of the NGO, non-government organization, Committee on Aging in Geneva, uh, said that developers of advanced technology that would make life much easier for older women should stop treating those older women as idiots. In fact, she says, we should be involved in the design of new technology, not just merely be consulted or ask our opinion once the product is ready to go or is already on the market. Women comprise a significant majority of the older population around the world and outnumber men by two to one past the age of 80. But Para Levin says they are routinely excluded from technological advances as part of the everyday discrimination older women experience. The older you get, the more excluded you are, Para Levin is quoted as saying, and there is an assumption that older women do not understand technology. She cites as an example a telephone produced in Britain that she describes as really ugly. Its sturdy design and large buttons was soundly rejected by its intended users. You don't want to be stigmatized, Para Levin said, adding that such technology does not have to advertise, quote, here I am, an old idiot, unquote. 
So she suggests living labs, whereby older women using technological advances, such as robots, cameras, and sensors, and mobile phones, could provide more feedback to designers and manufacturers than the typical focus groups. These labs would provide users with a technology they could use in real life in their own environment. It's really providing people with a technology that they can test in real life in their own environment, she says. Let's take this out. Okay, we'll edit that out. Restart. In fact, you may already have a living lab device in your home right now. Apparently, I do. Joy Stevenson Laws, JD, a healthcare attorney and founder of Proactive Health Labs, a national nonprofit health information company, notes that your smart speaker may have the ability to help you plan and prepare healthy meals. Try asking Alexa, hey Google, for menus, ingredients, and nutritional value, or to help you manage food allergies, diabetes, or high blood pressure. The active aging industry in the U.S., which includes safety and smart living technologies, health and remote care, and wellness and fitness technologies, is expected to triple in the next three years to nearly $30 billion. And according to ARP, those aged 50 and older in the U.S. generate $7.6 trillion in economic activity. That's us. So product developers and retailers, ignore us at your peril because we're growing in numbers and purchasing power. Some examples of new technologies that help us live longer, healthier lives and that are already on the market are immersive programs that use virtual reality headsets to offer simulations in which caregivers, caregivers can take on the persona of an aging person facing a variety of situations, including macular degeneration, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's disease. Robots for happiness. Artificial intelligence. You probably know that the abbreviation for that is AI that initiates conversations that help seniors stay in touch and stay connected, and robotic pets that provide delight, engagement, companionship, and psychical and emotional benefits, so the manufacturers claim. At least you don't have to take them out for a walk or clean up after them. A virtual reality experience for older patients undergoing physical therapy following a stroke, brain injury, or spinal cord injury that tailors customized exercises to the patient's specific therapy needs and ability. A smart toilet seat that will eliminate, pardon the pun, the need for taking a stool sample to the lab. And an emergency voice call-out and fall detection watch it monitors for falls while tracking vital signs, physical activity, sleep quality, and medication reminders. So, this is the brave new world of our aging years. Yes, it can be overwhelming. So, I'm going to do what I've been doing for the past 20 or so years. Adapting, adjusting, and accommodating as needed, but always moving forward. As the great Persian 13th century Islamic mystic poet Rumi perhaps said it best, as he often did, try something different. Surrender. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. 
you've been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paul Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.